We're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting there. Super hyped about it. Okay. Colonization is on that way. Interesting. Welcome to another episode of Conversations on Our Way. It's the 9th of March, 2021. I'm Flo. I'm Sam. And today we're bringing you part two of our Q&A from last <laughs> week. <laughs> so we are going to just continue on with some of the questions that have come through and some of them are kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam, do you want to read out the first one? Yes, sir. Um... I don't know who, I, f- I forgot who this one came from, but it's a pretty good one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, question is, how do you handle criticism? How do we handle criticism? Hmm. By not caring what other people think. <laughs> really? I mean, okay, there's, there's two sides of it. It's like, mm-hmm. one, you have to assess where it's coming from, who mm-hmm. it's coming from, whether you care about that person's opinion or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, like, why, in a sense, they're criticizing you, or what, no one really has, do, do you, would you say anyone has a right to criticize someone else, really? Um. I, I think in a de- de- development sense, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I actually think I take the, well, okay, before I say my opinion, you can <laughs> finish yours, sorry. Okay. Um. So, for example, if you were getting criticism from a like constructive criticism, I think that's fine. Um, and how you handle it is understanding where it's coming from, removing the emotional aspect of it, and then mm-hmm. piecing it out logically. You know, okay, mm-hmm. if is it constructive? What can you learn from it, and what can you do next time? Assessing that whole situation. And then, but at the same time as well, you have to make a decision on whether whether it benefits you or and whether it's actually relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a criticism that is by someone that you don't really care. And especially if people, it's like an opinion from someone that you don't care about or... Okay, how do we, how do we define criticism? That's the first thing. Because I'm getting a bit confused with my opinion. Criticism, I guess, would be critical feedback, which in terms means, um, well, the word critique just really means give a judgment. All right? Okay. But criticism has a, a, a slightly negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, well, not, not, not so much negative, but not... Um, not positive. And improvements need to be made. <laughs> kind of suggestion mm, okay <laughs> yeah that's what i would say so why i think i'm i say i'm confused is because when i'm asked this question i think i i like to think i invite every type of critic all criticism agreed so it doesn't matter who they are and it doesn't matter who they are i still invite it because to me the, People who are okay enough to give me criticism, they, they're seeing from their perspective of my character and or my work or whatever. And mm-hmm. if they care enough to voice their criticism, criticism, criticism out, then mm-hmm. then I give that some validity, you know. Mm-hmm. So I give them the benefit of doubt. Then I'd actually try to understand what they mean by what they mean. See if they're See if I think they're um, 
their criticism is um, what do you want to call it is valid. It's sound. the The argument sound. Yeah, that's that's a better way to put it. Then I take it on. So I like to think that's how I I take criticism, but in reality, I could be very butthurt. You know. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Mm. I think handling criticism, I think it also depends on the person. Mm. Depends how open-minded they are as well. Um, personally, I think it comes down to where it's coming from. Yeah, like I said, where it's coming from. If it's coming from a work context, then it's that's very easy for me to process. It's mm-hmm. um, what situation it is, what's the context, what project is this related to. It's mm. very constructive um, and handled professionally. The mm. emotion especially is almost always ripped out of that. Mm. Or um, if there was like a critical thing that was said, then I would have to also pull on my understanding of that person. You know, mm-hmm. is it a work stress thing? Like are they kind of just having a bad day in a sense um, and understanding their personality? Um, but I, I don't think I pay too much attention to people's criticisms who like opinions. I just don't care. Cause I just, hmm. I don't have time. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. But I think it, I think it is valid to, if I had time to entertain it, I would like to understand the logic behind some of them if it was mm. an interesting criticism like where did it come from if it's very like left field as well mm. um but yeah that's what i'd say mm. yeah whether I, it's you know mm. so go ahead i think i do i think i'm the opposite i i think of what people will criticize me before i they it even happens it's definitely a bad thing but what trying to control it. sorry what do you mean by that? So in like, if you put it simply, I think I just care about what people think about me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And I'm trying to change that. I mm-hmm. think I'm getting better. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I am. It, it's part of growth, I guess. Um, mm. So I guess that kind of is a good segue to our next question, which mm-hmm. is, what has been the hardest adult life lessons you've learned so far? So, and this is kind of the thing that I think I've had to really learn is just to accept myself as a person. I have my flaws mm-hmm. and just don't get too, don't take it too personally because everyone has flaws, you know? Mm-hmm. And how, when do you think you started learn like really learning that? At what stage of your life? Huh. I think the first thing um, that I really accepted was just how I look because I'm a pretty skinny guy, you know, Asian, <laughs> skinny, like lanky Asian. Like I'm getting better now, but back then I was way skinnier. And mm-hmm. I think I really accepted that. Oh, I'm my. I, I just accepted my size when I was in maybe first or second year of uni i just mm-hmm. stopped caring as like as much like about what other people think how i look anymore so i had my own like fashion style and how i like to dress and yeah mm-hmm. i think i look okay you look great sam <laughs> just saying that because you're my friend 
am not. But I, yeah. but beauty in the end is to the eye of the beholder in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you consider not even just physical aspects about the person and things. Um, hardest adult life lesson I've learned so far. When I think of adult life lessons, I'm thinking mm. like how to do your taxes, <laughs> um, how to uh, how to sign a lease, or so like to, they're very like um, young adult practical things. Practical things, yeah. But I'm trying to think of more of an adult life lesson, like kind of like yours from a self growth kind of perspective mm. um and i'd say is um, i i'd say the hardest life lesson i've had to learn or really really grasp is understanding and embracing change and like um life just continues and never ever stops and change is the only constant and I know that I used to say that a lot um, <laughs> very early stages of our podcast, mm-hmm. but that was also, um, yeah, I would say really grasping that concept was was a big adult life lesson. Um, I can see it from not even just like understanding yourself changing, but also things around you. Mm-hmm. If you think and you just about, have to, and you just have to adapt to it. Otherwise, yeah. you can. Yeah. So it's it's about like the relationships that you've had, friendships, um, even your family and friends, um, your where you work, where you go to school, who you've ever talked to. If you think about your childhood friends, uh, mm. how often do they? How often do you talk to them? Your mm. neighbors where you live, the people around you who lived in those spaces, who now don't live in those spaces. I remember having this reflection point. Mm. I used to have a colleague that lived across the building that I live in at the moment. And it was so great having them just live across from you. 24-7, you could mm. like go over and say hey, have dinner, have a conversation, things like that. And then... And they so, left you. <laughs> Well, you know, things change. It's like, and it's not even that person did it out of spite of you or anything. It's just, mm. you know, Life. the lease ended and they wanted to go find a cheaper place or a better place, bigger, smaller, for the first little work, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's their entire prerogative and things like that. And yeah. it's, and then now I look outside of my apartment and I look at the same apartment and I look at the lights turn on and things like that. But this time, it's so bizarre thinking that like there's a completely different set of people in that apartment mm. and they're using this the, that space that I used to go through like once a week in a sense completely differently. And I thought that was really, really interesting. I, mm. And I never really grasped it until, you know, those things kind of happen. You can also understand and reflect. You know, mm. the relationships that you've had in the past, like how often do you speak to that friend that you hung out with yeah. every day in mm. primary school or in high school or in university? And you don't talk to them anymore. Yeah. And also the other, the other concept is that everyone has their own lives mm. and it does not always include you. 
yeah. to the point where it's, it's not like everyone grows up to be selfish. It's just more so that like everyone's paths and directions might change and your values or your trajectory just might not align with most other people and being okay with that and going out on a limb on your own or doing things your own way. Mm. Yeah, like you've said everything I wanted to say about that, but like on a, more, a bit more lighthearted note on on this same type of thing is um one of the uh, like not as sad as like people like relationships like not like once they were, but it's one thing about growing up is like one sad thing about growing up is seeing like one of your favorite like um like coffee spots or restaurants shut down. Oh yeah. 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 And when you've built like, you know, your perfect coffee order, mm-hmm. your kind of your routine. And when you can go in and you see you see the person, you say, Oh, <laughs> just the usual fleas and they know exactly what you want. That is That's service, sir. That's service. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> do you have do you have something like that? I honestly haven't been to a coffee shop enough to mm-hmm. build that rapport. Mm. Um but also Growing up, I didn't really drink coffee. You don't, you don't drink that much coffee, right? Now I do more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I drink coffee at home. I have a particular way that I take it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but not enough for a coffee regularity yep. <laughs> basis. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> but, um, but exactly that. And it's and also, you know what? You see this as well when you go to your the shopping areas that you mm-hmm. grew up in. Mm. Like for example, in our in my area, there's a particular like I call it like a miniature city. It's not so much like CBD, but mm-hmm. it's like a smaller city. But it's quite central, and a lot of people go there. There's a couple of malls there and things like that. Mm-hmm. But thinking back about when I first started going to that area, you know, the train station was completely mm. different. The malls are completely different. Everything's been repaved, redecorated. Some LED screens here and there, mm. and a lot more colorful and things like that. But yeah, just really grasping and embracing that idea that you know change is always happening, whether you mm. like it or not. So you might as well just accept it and learn to be adaptable and flexible and go with it and enjoy it. Otherwise, yeah, it'll. Life is going to be hard for you. <laughs> Unless you can sustain yourself in a, I don't even know how to say it, what word, in a stagnant fashion. I don't think it's possible. Things will change. change. Yeah. Unless you live in like uh, a cave. Like even in caves, like like rocks might fall, you know, and <laughs> it might rain and like water, you get flooded and stuff. So I don't think there's any scenario where you, there won't be any change, you know. A bunker. I guess. Then I, I think then the argument there would be I prefer some change, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, but anyways. So- so I think that in summary, the hardest adult life lesson is mm. to not be afraid of change and just embracing it. I don't actually mm. know whether it was the hardest, but I think mm. it was the most awakening in mm. a sense. Mm. Mm. But yeah. I think 
another another big life lesson that I learned through um, in the past five years is probably uh, I don't know how to word it. It's like it's kind of like um, if the, you face a problem in life, you just have to do something about it instead of thinking about it too much. So taking action instead. Yeah, of just... taking yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just taking action for the things that you. That's, Things that are wrong in your life, just you just have to take action. Otherwise, it's not going to change. Mm, so yeah. being the change that you want to see and everything. Pretty much, yeah. I agree. I agree Setting a goal, that. moving like having steps to and moving towards that is very very important. Like changing like one percent a day is a big change over over a year. Mm. Yeah, and that's also coming. I think it comes hand in hand with learning how to be accountable for yourself mm. and your mm-hmm. life. Like yeah. taking the reins on your life. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Being accountable for yourself, that is a big thing as well, I forgot. Like because um uh you know how like when you're a kid you look for your parents and they like cook for you, they clean for you and everything. Then yeah. during uni my, my parents moved back to Malaysia. Mm. And just me and my brother here and slowly I'm just like I had to learn how to cook or learn how to clean my stuff clean the house by myself and mm-hmm. i realized like doing doing chores is i hate it <laughs> <laughs> really yeah i don't i don't like chores you don't like cleaning your house i like being in a clean place but the the process of constantly having to clean is like i i know i have to do it but it's just that's when I like, I remember like a few years ago. I I remember like, I when I first started needing to clean and cook for myself, I'm like, I, I hated so much. Now I got <laughs> used to it. But back then, I was like, this is my motivation to become rich. I'm I'm gonna be so rich that I don't have to cook by myself. I don't have to clean. I'm just gonna <laughs> hire someone and do do all this for me. Yeah, that was my motivation. But Love it. <laughs> now it's now it's uh, I now I don't care as much anymore. It's something I have to. I have to do, and it's a good time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and, yeah. You know what would be funny is that mm. whether when you when you move out and have a space of your own, mm. how how that might change. Because for me, I, I really enjoy cleaning my apartment. Mm, because it's all your space. Yeah, yeah, mm. 100%. Yep. It's... Um, but as well, I think it's like, like you said, it's a, it's a mind, mindset shift in terms of no one else is going to take care of it. If mm. you want to live in a clean space, you have to take care of mm. it. You have to be accountable for it. Mm. But I do have to also note that growing up, doing chores, uh, I actually never really, like, obviously there were days that I was like, oh, I just do chores and things like that. Um, but I actually never really. I enjoyed cle- like making something go from like black to white. <laughs> ah, interesting, interesting. So having like a really, really like spotless bathroom. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So we used to divide up chores and things like that. So maybe I'm just more sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's each their own, but I think it's also because I used to like really working with my hands. Mm. Um, but yeah, being, I guess in, re- in regards to a bathroom context, mm. every all surfaces in a bathroom 
pretty much can be wiped down and mm. clean and returned back to white almost if it's mm. been well maintained. So that satisfaction of having like a completely pristine white bathroom, that was very satisfying to me at the beginning. <laughs> hmm. yeah, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, when I was like, it's like first started re- really doing chores, I, I questioned what does clean mean? It's a stupid question, you know. Like um, to what degree, or what does yeah. clean? Just like to what degree does does it mean to be clean? It's a stupid what? question, but I it, it, it entertained me when I was clean, like doing chores when I was a kid. Uh huh. And so, what did you deduce in the end? Um, I don't quite remember. I I think I just concluded at like you just kill everything in that in that area. <laughs> yeah, essentially, because you, you know how all the um, uh, detergents they uh, market themselves as oh kills ninety nine point nine percent of bacteria, and I always thought how why not a hundred percent? Because I can't guarantee that. Yeah, exactly. So I <laughs> I think I figured that out. So, but before figuring that out, I was like, like I I was just so confused. 0.01%, why do we leave them alive? If we can kill 99.9%, what? Like, we surely we have the power to kill that 0.01, right? So, oh yeah. I love how you're like, well, I'm sure we have the power to kill that 0.01%. It's, oh, that, yeah, like, because my friends call me uh, a bit too logical sometimes, and I, the, these are the little stories that make me realize that, yeah, Maybe I, I'm a bit like no, too illogical that I'm no, illogical. I love that. That yeah. that lit up my night. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you another one. Um, so when this was probably when I was like a like five or six, we mm. I was eating dinner with my my family and my parents like like to make me eat fish because mm-hmm. they said oh it'll make me smarter and. Mm-hmm. As I was I was a pretty curious kid. I would always like to ask why. Mm-hmm. Um, and one one night they asked me to eat fish. I'm like, nah, I don't want to eat fish. And they're like, why? They're like, why? And this my explanation to to this day still still amazes me. That I said <laughs> I said something like that. So what I said was, how can a fish eating something so dumb make me smart? And they're like, what do you mean? Why do you, they're like, oh, why, why do you, why are the fish dumb? And I said, they're so like, how do they, how do fish get fished up? You know, they, they, they see the bait and, and they get, they eat the bait and they get caught and they get, they get killed. And I'm like, as a kid, I was like, surely the other fish sees this and pass the, pass the information onto the other fish. Like, don't eat the bait. Don't take it. You're going to die. <laughs> so that was my logic as a kid. So I'm like, why? How does eating something so dumb makes me smarter? This does not make. I'm not eating this fish. Yeah, that was me. That's. <laughs> but oh you can see God. how you can see how that make kind of kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are slightly flaws, but like, yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of flaws. Oh 
that's fantastic. Oh my gosh, you would have been so much fun to have as a kid and as a friend. Oh, that would have been so much fun. But no, I completely get you. <laughs> Do you have any other stories like this? I want more. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I do. Oh, like this is not another story, but it's just a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, in kindergarten, um, they I remember like we had to draw like a picture of our fam- like our family and stuff. Like draw a picture of dad, draw a picture of our mom, and what like one thing that that they like. And when I drew my mom, I drew my mom with a fish because she always made me eat fish. So that's just another side thing. So and I, when I brought it home and and showed it to my mom, my mom laughed because of the, the other fish, the actual fish thing. So. Oh my goodness! I wish you get your parents on this. <laughs> yeah, my, my mom loves telling that story, the the fish story. Yeah. Well, then it just proves you were very, 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 very curious and very, very logical from a very, very young age. I think that's all I'm proud of, actually. Yeah, but um, I don't know if it's good, though, being, like, quote-unquote, smart. kind of comes with its downfalls. Because my parents said, like, they noticed I was a bit more mature than the other kids. Not okay. not something I'm bragging about, but they just they just realized, and I realized myself, and I don't know. I could never like made make like friends in primary school. Mm. Yeah. So, but it got better in high school when the other kids caught up. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, but yeah. About time. <laughs> I've been waiting on this level for years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's fantastic. Mm. But yeah, that comes with, I mean, that that exercise and that experience in itself Mm. just really plays onto, you know, like how you fit into society, Mm. um, you know, with your, whether you can make friends at a young age and things like that. And then how socially mature you are and then how to also navigate it. So it's different. Being aware of it and then actually dealing with it in practice. Mm. Okay. Then we'll do the one, I think we'll do one more question. Mm. But this is a bit of a left field one. <laughs> <laughs> would you go to Mars? I don't know who sent, submitted this, but <laughs> Sam, would you go to Mars? Um, do, do I get to come back? Um... Let's just say no. Okay, because I actually listened to a uh, podcast by with Joe, by Joe Rogan with Elon Musk recently. Uh-huh. Um, this was his most recent interview with Elon Musk. I think uh-huh. uh, maybe two months before or a few weeks, few weeks before, um, he brought Elon Musk back on his podcast again and asked him about um, sending people to Mars because that is definitely getting closer. It's definitely within our lifetime. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, we're gonna see someone actually go to Mars, and most likely the first people that are going to Mars are not coming back. So, if just assuming that let let's say I studied really hard, I became an astro- astro- like astronaut, like, um, and I was be- I was a candidate to go to Mars and pave the way for humanity to 
set up, set up life in on another planet, would I do that? No. Why? I don't think. I don't know. I just have people I want to be with here. Mm. Like I have friends, I have family, and I don't mm. think I can leave that behind for like a, an abstract concept like humanity. You know. Mm-hmm. Like you're like yeah, technically yeah, for sure you're helping humanity. You're extending humanity, and because we're gonna run out of resources on Earth, and you we need other planet. We have to be. We gotta have our other planets to sub like prolong the species and stuff. But I I don't think I care enough about that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I want to live a good life with my family, my friends, my loved ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's fair enough. How are you? Would I go to Mars? I'd also say no, mm. but it's purely because I, I don't have an interest in mm. space exploration. Like, I feel mm. like the... The individuals who, given that, you know, Mm. it's a rare, a very, very rare thing to be able to go to Mars. um, Mm. And given that, you know, you want to have the high success rate of a Mm. mission and the resources used to get someone up there and everything, I think that person would have to have a very, very deep interest in space exploration and setting up life on Mars and things like that. Um, but I think that is a big thing, you know. It's, Very big thing. Well, yeah, but uh, from a consideration point for anyone who wants to go up or has the option to go up, because, you know, obviously the the goal is to, like, one day commercialize in a sense. Um, but whether if you're not able to come back, it's like, would you really be able to leave, leave behind everything that you know? And be, like, the fact is, it's like, there are so many possibilities, but also unstructured free fall, almost, um, there are no boundaries and there's no safety net whatsoever out there. There's, so much unknown. And I don't mm. know whether not everyone I think can deal with that that level of ambiguity. <laughs> mm. Um well, well well who knows? Because um like we don't know how like the technology could be very good in the future. Like um because he it takes about like apparently like six months to get to Mars. Wow. Yeah, just just in, in sp- just floating in space. Going, going to Mars. All you I'm see is black. Watching from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's say we mm. do when the technology is up to you can come back. Mm-hmm. There are constantly people going to and from Mars. Mm-hmm. Would you go go visit? Again, it would depend on how developed things are in Mars. If it was like you know going to a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm, I'm only going if there's a five star hotel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? I mean, you're going out there, you get the best views and everything. Might as well. How about but, um, if let, let's say you um change careers, um, mm-hmm. you became like a 
a botanist like you you grow you grow plants and trees and stuff and your job is to fly over there and survey the soil to see which what trees that can be planted and come back yeah okay uh if there was a timeline it doesn't take six months to travel true that'd be a big project traveling (laughs) yeah one way is already six months and so it's a year of travel time Imagine being stuck. Okay, we already have issues putting people in quarantine for two weeks. True. Imagine being stuck in an enclosed space for six months. Well, we like lockdown. It was essentially like six months for Melbourne. Yeah, but then you know we was all right. outside. We know it was yeah. outside. Have the option technically. Well, we, well, in this in space, you can technically go outside as well if you wanted to. Okay, where, where just put on your suit, walk outside a bit, and come back. Go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, that that was stupid. Yeah, kind of yeah. different, but it's, a, it's an interesting concept. But I think it's one that I don't really feel the need to entertain, just because I don't feel. Deeply curious yeah. about space. Yeah. Maybe it's just me because the first thing I wanted to be when I was a kid is a astronomer. I oh. like I really like looking at stars and stuff and mm-hmm. planets and learning about space. So maybe it's, this is just a me thing. No, wow. mm. I think it's that's a fair enough. Um, it's like astronaut, doctors, firefighters, mm. astronomers, mm. teachers. You know, yeah, I think you can be anything and everything that you want when as a kid. I I did. I think we did address that yeah, question yeah. at one of our earlier podcasts, and I remember messaging my parents. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to be, and they're like, "You didn't want to be." <laughs> no answer. We never asked. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> hmm. Okay. I'll take that as an answer, but we'll we'll definitely see people go to Mars in our lifetimes, and we'll get actual pictures. Because um, the the newest rover just landed on Mars like last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's the what what is it called? Like Perseverance. Let me oh, search it up. Perseverance. Um, Perseverance. You say rover. within our lifetime, but also given the fact that. We're in our 20s, and mm. if this is going to happen in the next 30 50 years, yeah, no, 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 30 years. Let's be real, we'll, we'll be in our 50s after 30 years. Remember mm. that. We'll mm. want to go up to space when you're in your 50s. True, mm. true, so true, we'll true. be able to see it happen, but whether we actually get to participate, highly unlikely, yeah, yeah. But also, another reason why I do not. I guess entertain the idea. <laughs> so, but yeah, the like one thing that that, that they always say is um, the per, the first people who are on um, that is going to go to Mars is already born. So, fair some, enough. He's out there. He or she is out there. That is true. That is mm. true. Interesting. Mm. Hmm. But yeah. We might find signs of life in Mars. I think the we know there's definitely water in. There's a lot of ice in on Mars, so we can definitely get water. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not a scientist. I, 
do, do your own All research. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to give false let's, information. Let's leave it at that then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's wrap it up there. That is part two of our <laughs> Q&A session for our six-month anniversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank Sorry. you all for listening. Yeah. Sorry about the shorter episode. <laughs> Both me, Flo, and I are pretty tired today. Not sure why, though. <laughs> Flo, because of work. For me, I'm not sure why. Just haven't been sleeping well. Well, hopefully next week we'll be back bright and happy and dandy. And I wouldn't say early because we never do this early. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should try <laughs> doing it early once. Do it like a, like 8 a.m. or something. Uh, okay, never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> think about it through. Think about it through. <laughs> but no, um, definitely, though, next time, looking forward to um, having more and more questions on the show. Mm-hmm. But as well, will be interesting what we talk about next week. I think we have some interesting topics that we have in the pipeline. So very interested to see how they go. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.